and welcome. You are listening to another episode of Assurance in Action. Uh, this is the podcast of your total quality assurance provider, Intertech. In this episode, we will be continuing the conversation of fighting modern slavery with Sylvia Mera of the Mekong Club. The focus of this episode is a discussion on innovation and technological advancement in tackling modern slavery in the supply chain. Without further ado, we continue the conversation with Sylvia Mera. methods that organizations or Mekong Club have used to tackle modern slavery? The, there are, I guess the, the, the first thing that, that um, I, can, I can think of is the use of technology um, to fight modern slavery. Now I mentioned the learning, which is a pretty sort of traditional way of using technology through videos, etc. There are some very interesting new ways, um, for example, and this is specifically for sex trafficking, um, there is the use uh, recently in the US, uh, um, artificial intelligence has been used to screen classified ads, websites that adver- advertise the traffic- trafficked women and children, um, and we're selling them through uh, classified ads websites for sex. So in this case, artificial intelligence was used to screen um, all these posts and uh, through facial recognitions uh, uh, sort of flag those profiles that were um, uh, that were matching with missing people, for example, in the police files. And this would have taken to a policeman ages to, to sort of grow, go through um, out, um, manually. Um, in terms of supply chains, uh, more specifically for labor, we at the Macon Club are working on uh, two projects that I can quickly describe. Um, so the first one is an, uh, an app called Apprise Audit. And uh, the app aims at improving current methods of worker interviews uh, during social compliance audits. Um, we, for example, interviewed a worker in Thailand and this lady said that she was never paid for her overtime and every time a labor inspector was interviewing the worker, she wanted to say something, but either the manager was listening to what she was saying, was sort of uh, there monitoring her, um, and, uh, and so she, she never had the courage to voice her concerns. So there was a problem here uh, with lack of privacy and fear of reprisals for that particular worker. Also, it is hard to engage with migrants who speak several languages when the auditor or labor inspector can only speak one or two languages. So there are, uh, think of factories in countries like Thailand or Malaysia or Qatar with a high percentage of the workforce being migrants. These people are usually disengaged because simply because of language barriers. So uh, you may tell me, well, uh, there are already several you know, grievance mechanisms that exist uh, within factories, manufacturing facilities, you know, from the very traditional suggestion box to workers' hotlines or workers' apps where they can sort of voice their concerns. I guess from our perspective, what is missing here is that the burden of voicing the concerns is 100% on the worker when it comes to these methods. There is no method to address the uh, screening of the workers from the auditor's point of view. 
So what we did uh, at Mekong Club with, uh, in partnership with the um, United Nations uh, University Institute of Computing and Society um, was launching a mobile app that the auditors can use during social compliance audits. So again, technology can be innovative. It doesn't need to be complicated. The app is very simple. There are questionnaires in multiple languages that can, uh, uh, can be used by the workers but the app is on the auditor's phone. So what, what, what happens here is that the app ensures uh, um, uh, anonymity. The workers can take the survey independently because the app is very intuitive. And then the auditor can see all the results uh, in real time. So without the, the need to go back to written notes or computer typed notes, and this enormously helps with you know, saving time, saving costs and reaching out to a bigger part of the of the workforce the second example uh, another project that we're working on is the um, is another phone app we love apps <laughs> that uses blockchain technology um, so now when when people say blockchain uh, you know half of the room wonders what, what it is and the other half thinks it's evil just used for cryptocurrencies etc i guess we went through the same process at mekong club um the word blockchain was mentioned several times during our sessions and no one was really understanding what it was and more, even more interestingly um I guess no one knew how it was, was how it was used for good purposes. So we've done a little bit of research, and we found out that there were no concrete examples of the use of this technology to address modern slavery in supply chains. So what we did, uh, we also partnered with a with an organization in this case, a blockchain solution provider called DigiNex. And we have developed uh, an app that uses blockchain specifically to um, help enhance uh, uh, trust and security within the recruitment process. We have done this because the majority of cases of exploitation happen to workers who are tricked at some point in the recruitment process. So either because of fees or high deductions or terms and conditions of their employment that are not the same that they endure when they get to uh, the country of destination and start working. Usually these, these problems are related to a contract that either was replaced or was taken from them or was offered in a language that they could not understand. So um, the uh, idea is that since blockchain works at its best in a situation when there is a lack of transparency and security and trust, we could experiment its use to help the employment ecosystem. So what the app does is taking, uh, it takes records of the employment contract and other important document and uploads it on the blockchain. Once a record is on the blockchain, it cannot be changed or tampered and it's quickly and easily accessible by any party interested. Of course, mainly the worker himself. Um, and this also helps uh, enormously with auditing because companies do not need to check the, the records at the factory. They could simply access the blockchain and see all the records online. Uh, first, a group of suppliers that the company usually directly works with and knows better 
So um, what happens, uh, you know, in the other tiers? That's the question that some companies have started asking themselves. And uh, back to my point, engagement and cascading responsibilities is really important. When we speak at Supplier Summit, we always say, well, the brand may have organized this summit and the brand may be asking you to meet all these requirements, you know, and have all these audits. But you as suppliers are companies yourselves and you need to engage your suppliers and your suppliers have to engage theirs. And only this way we can cascade responsibilities and make sure that the actions and the activities we, uh, you know, companies, uh, um, um, uh, the companies try um, in advance do not just stop at one tier but go all the way down supply chains so some of these companies have done so by you know starting with a group of uh, uh, of the most relevant suppliers for example or or the countries where they found the most risk the higher risk of modern slavery and i think that mapping them out really gave them a clearer visibility over their own operations and this way, they could also um, plan a much more effective engagement and monitoring activities. So example one, uh, going beyond the tier one. The second example is, to, um, is related to companies that have invested a considerable amount of resources to better understand their workforce demographic. And by workforce, I include both direct staff. Um, you know, we work with a lot of hotels and hotels have a very high number of staff. Several of them are seasonal staff. They are contracted to agencies. And then some other companies that deal with suppliers, uh, you know, and, uh, and do procurement, uh, perhaps have smaller direct staff, but then wanted to understand what their suppliers workforce was like. So these companies have, uh, as I said, invested the resources to map these recruitment systems out, particularly the corridors between ascending country and the receiving country, usually the receiving countries where they have their manufacturing facilities or operations. And this exercise proved very useful because uh, they were able to see whether any illegal charging of fees were ha was happening, whether certain nationalities were treated in a different way, um, and, and they could, you know, take specific action to address these issues. Uh, as I said before, when I've talked about blockchain, a lot of the cases of exploitations happen somewhere along the recruitment process. So understanding what, how the recruitment works in your company is definitely uh, crucial to, to find this problem in the first place. And then uh, the last example um, is more referred to companies that perhaps have done point one and point two, and then also decided to share what they learned uh, with the rest of the business community. So I really think that to step up and address this issue and potentially lead on this issue, there should be more sharing. And there are examples of companies that have shared, um, you know, their weaknesses or mistakes that they've made. Um, notably because sort of the media or NGOs uh, told everybody that they made those mistakes. And then we're able to also share about the lessons learned. And now a lot of other companies can follow suit and learn from what they've done. So third uh, important thing and example is to share when possible what you've done, what you've accomplished and what you could have done better. Great. So 
as a hypothetical business, let's say that uh, I'm looking to start sourcing products for my company. What should I know with regards to assessing a supplier uh, in their risk of modern slavery? Basically, what steps do you see should be the first steps when beginning mm -hmm. this process? There are a number of requirements that suppliers can be screened against. Some are high level and can probably be tackled through a desk research. Um, these usually include an assessment of the sector, the commodity and the country or countries where the commodity could be sourced from. There are a number of red flags that um, you know, the company screening the supplier could look out for. For example, whether there were precedent cases of exploitation reported for that commodity or country, um, if the uh, if the sourcing of, of that commodity is linked to hazardous work, or if the sector is linked to a high workforce turnover or a high presence of migrant workers or temporary workers, um, whether the country um, where where the company is considering sourcing from has adequate protection of workers uh, uh, in terms of legal framework. All this information can be found on uh, publicly available reports. A few that, that come to mind are the Global Slavery Index uh, and the reports uh, out of the Department of State called the Trafficking in Persons Report, as well as several um, resources that can be found you know, uh, online through a simple research. Um, specifically, when it comes to one supplier, um, I guess the supplier can be screened against other requirements. For example, whether he has any certification, um, uh, if, if he allows unannounced visits. If he doesn't, this is usually a major flag. Um, if he allows investigators to access its records, um, such as payment, payrolls, etc., at any given time if they have a policy that includes workers' rights and well-being. Um, I think it's important to, um, to also uh, add that if these lack, like there is no policy or no certification, perhaps the company should consider whether the supplier is willing to collaborate to implement such requirements. So risk is not just black and white, uh, but it should be nuanced. And as much as possible, companies should uh, choose to work together with the suppliers to explain why it is important for them to implement these policies and to work together on a sort of step up their game. And I think that in order to win the business, a lot of suppliers would be keen to do so. So as an organization that wants to address modern slavery in a collaborative way, we encourage companies to try to work with suppliers rather than exit them or uh, refuse business to any suppliers that doesn't meet the requirements uh, immediately. Um, there are, of course, a lot of tools that can be accessed uh, when it comes to screening suppliers against forced labor specifically. And uh, um, Macon Club has actually partnered with Intertech on a very innovative tool called the Risk Assessment Matrix. And what this tool does is uh, it allows for a very comprehensive and granular screening against forced labor indicators for countries, provinces, product, and processes. So uh, this was a great collaboration as we were able to use uh, audit data to create this risk map. And uh, this is a great tool that companies can use to screen the suppliers. Again, again, keeping in mind that collaboration is key in order to overcome uh, potential initial barriers. Fantastic.
thank you for uh, your time today, Sylvia. Thank you very much. This has been another episode of the Assurance in Action podcast. If you would like to learn more about how to fight modern slavery in the supply chain, please visit the links in the description of this episode. Also, please subscribe to Assurance in Action and follow both Mekong Club and Intertech Business Assurance on social media. Links will also be in the description. Thanks, as always, for listening to Assurance in Action. <music> <laughs>